Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org, or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Here's a question for you to ponder. Does God have a history? What does the Bible say? Of course, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and that's clear enough. But in the New Testament's first book, Matthew, we discover that God is not just simply God. He is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit God. And even more incredibly, he has become the enterable God. Our God does have a history, a mysterious history. And to unlock it, Colossians gives us a key in chapter 2, verse 2, that their hearts may be comforted, they being knit together unto the full knowledge of the mystery of God, Christ. Christ, the mystery of God, is also the history of God. Ron Kankis is with us today as we look not at this history academically, but as it applies to us and directly and subjectively affects us. Welcome to the program once again, Ron. I look forward to exploring this particular matter. Embodied in the question, you suggested that we ponder, does God have a history? And we not only assert, according to the New Testament, that God has a history, but that history is altogether in Christ, and as a result of God's history in Christ, we can experience him in a marvelous way. So this is a whole new line of thought, Mm -hmm. not new to the Bible, not new to Paul, but new to most of us. So I hope we will have an open mind, an open heart, an open spirit, and an exercise spirit to consider some striking and enlightening points from Colossians. Yeah, there's many directions we could go here, and I want to be careful not to be led astray or to lead astray. Uh, You can consider this from a lot of esoteric angles that we don't want to get into today. But there is somewhat of a paradox because certainly God is uh, eternal and therefore, in that sense, exists outside of time altogether. And so one could say, well, how could uh, an eternal God have a history that's defined by time? We once again appeal to the twofoldness of the truth in the divine revelation, that God in himself in eternity does not have a history because history involves a sequence of events in time. But the Bible is not concerned with timeless eternity and with speculations concerning it. The Bible, from beginning to end, is a revelation of God's activity with his people Israel, in Christ, with the church, then the kingdom, and the new Jerusalem— And that activity takes place in time and in space. So in that sense, God has a history because he has passed through events and has accomplished 
certain things for the fulfillment of his purpose. But there is a deeper sense in which God has a history. So what is this sense? God has a history in the sense that in Christ he has passed through a process in order to dispense himself into us. God in himself in eternity is not processed and is not able to be dispensed into us. But God in Christ with a history involving the steps of his process has been processed and consummated to be the all-inclusive spirit in order to dispense himself into us, to work himself into us, to be experienced by us, and to be lived out through us. So it is in this particular sense of God having been processed in Christ that we speak of God having a history. Ron, we want to go to Witness Lee in this first section and pick up this matter that you touched uh, just now related to the process that Christ went through really being the history of God in the sense we want to look at it today. Here's Witness Lee. Christ is the mystery of God. In this universe, God is a mystery. It is so good. You have these three words, mystery, story, and history. Mystery implies story. And story implies history. The mystery of God means what? The story of God. And the story of God means what? The history of God. God does have a history. Christ is the story of God. Christ is the history of God. Christ is not merely God himself. Christ is the history of God. And what is the history of God? That is the process through which God reached certain point. The history of God is just the process of God. Through this process, God attained to certain point. You just tell me, what is the difference between God in Genesis 1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What is the difference between God in Genesis 1 and the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in Matthew 28:19? In the first sentence of the first book of the Bible, God is mentioned there. And at the end of the first book of the New Testament, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are mentioned here. We know this spirit, this Father, Son, and Spirit is that God. But what is the difference? What is the difference between that God and this Father, Son, and Spirit? That God in Genesis 1 hasn't processed. He has undergone creation, incarnation, human living, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. But the Father, Son, and Spirit in Matthew 28, 19, and this was mentioned after what? After he was resurrected. In resurrection, after his incarnation, after his human living, after his crucifixion on the cross, after all these things, 
Now, on the mountain Galilee, he was in resurrection. In resurrection, he told his disciples, Now, go to disciple the nations. And baptize them not into God, not into the unprocessed God, but baptize them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Now, after his resurrection, the very God has been fully processed. Ron, I think he posed uh, the question that I'd like to uh, just have you develop in this portion. Uh, he asked us what the difference was between the God of Genesis 1-1 and the God of Matthew 28-19. The question is very meaningful, and the question is necessary if we are to understand God's economy and if we are to have the light from the word concerning One, how we can enter into God to dwell in him. And two, how God can enter into us and dwell in us. So in response to your question itself, let me say this. God in himself eternally cannot change and does not change. So regarding God's eternal self-existence, There is no need and no value in questioning how is God different here and there. But we are talking about the sequence of a progressive divine revelation in the Word focused on God's economy. And by God's economy, we mean his plan and arrangement to dispense himself into us to produce with us a corporate expression of himself. So from this angle, there is a difference economically between God objectively creating the universe in Genesis 1.1 and the triune God who in Christ has passed through a process to become the processed God into whom we enter and who enters into us. So by the time we get to Matthew 28, and the Lord speaks of baptizing the nations into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we have a God who is enterable. The crucial thing in relation to both your question and this attempt at an answer to the question is that essentially, eternally, God cannot change. But in his economy, in Christ, God has passed through a process so that we may experience him by entering into him and by having him enter into us. This is uh, the crucial point for us to consider here. Ron, chapter 2, verse 7 says, Having been rooted and being built up in him, Verse 19 says, all the body grows with the growth of God. Uh, Again, these are intriguing verses with a thought that may not easily come to our natural mind, and it fits very well with what we're talking about today. Let's go back to Witness Lee. We do have a source in our spirit, and this source is the process God. Oh, 
brothers and sisters, we all have to realize in our spirit there is a source. There is not only spring, but a fountain. Dead springs. You see? A fountain, a source, and this source is what? Is the process God. Such a process God. Comprising all the divine elements and the human elements and the elements of incarnation and the element of human living and the element of crucifixion and the element of resurrection. He says, a process God comprising all these ingredients. Now he is the all-inclusive spirit indwelling our spirit to be the very source. And we have been rooted in him. This means we have been rooted in this source. Every tree that has been rooted into the soil absorbs all the rich element into the tree itself. And these rich element of the soil, after being absorbed into the tree, they all become the nourishment to the tree. And the tree increases grows with this solid element. Paul uses this as a metaphor, as an illustration to depict to us by what way we could grow, by the way that we are deeply loaded into Christ as the soil. And this Christ today is the very all-inclusive, life-giving spirit as the process child God in our spirit. We are now just being rooted into this soil and absorb the riches of the soil into our being. Ron, let's pick up Paul's metaphor of being rooted in the soil and uh, that illustrating how we grow. Uh, this is a marvelous picture, isn't it? It is. So let's ask first, what is the soil or who is the soil? And the answer, according to Colossians, is that this is Christ. We have been rooted in him. Now the God, the triune God in Christ, in whom we have been rooted, is not the God of Genesis 1.1. This is the processed God who has been made enterable right. through his process in Christ. Then we need to see that the word rooted implies that we have entered into him. This relates to our believing and to our being baptized into the triune God according to Matthew 28. This rooting is organic we're not just placed in him or stuck in him. We're rooted. This means that we are plants, that we are absorbing the nutrients from the soil so that we may grow. And this growth, according to Colossians 2.19, is the growth of God, which is God increasing, not in himself, which is impossible, but God increasing in us. 
and our growing by the growth of God, that is, by God increasing in us, equals our building ourselves up in the Lord. This building is not the building of the church directly, referred to in Matthew 16, and this growth equals being built up organically. And this is for the great universal building up of the body of Christ. Ron Winnesley is going to pick up this point that you just touched in this uh, final section today, and that is the connection between the organic growing and the building up that really is at the center of God's plan and purpose. Let's join him for that. Paul firstly said, having been rooted in him. Then he says, being built up. No tree can grow up without being rooted down deeply. The tree firstly got rooted down, then it grows up. Actually, the growth is the building. We firstly are rooted in Christ as the all-inclusive spirit. Then we grow up. And this growing up, everybody knows, is a kind of building up. You build up yourself by growing, by eating, by receiving and assimilate all these great things into your being. Then you grow with these nourishing things. How your growth goes, it depends upon how much solid nourishment you would receive into your being. So, to be rooted is simply to receive the solid nourishment. To be rooted is simply to absorb all the riches of the all-inclusive spirit into our being. Then we grow with this nourishment. And this growing with the nourishment is the building up. We are being built up with the riches that we have absorbed into our being. So Colossians 2.19 says, the whole body grows with the growth of God. All from whom head, all the body grows with what? With the growth of God. And this God here is not the God in Genesis 1. This God here is the triune God in Matthew 28:19. In other words, this God here is not the unprocessed God, but the processed God. Don't forget, he's right in you. The all-inclusive processed God is in your spirit. The source of all riches is just the processed, triumph God and the life-giving spirit enjoying our spirit. And how to get yourself rooted deeply into this source. All the time, don't exercise your mind. Don't exercise your will. Don't exercise your emotion. All the time, come to the Spirit. Ron, this connection between growing this organic union as typified by the being rooted and building 
is uh, not unique to Colossians. Paul mentions it in other places. One that came to mind listening there was in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul says, you are God's cultivated land or you are God's farm, comma, God's building. Develop this connection a little bit. I think the, uh, the most faithful way to develop the connection is in light of the divine revelation that God's goal is the building. And by building, we mean, according to the New Testament, the corporate expression of the triune God in and through his redeemed people. So there is an intrinsic relationship between life and building and the growth of life and building. The building God desires, that is the corporate expression of himself he desires, comes through the growth of God in his people. Knowing this, Paul spoke of it again and again. In 1 Corinthians 3, as you mentioned, he says, you are God's farm or cultivated land or husbandry, and you are God's building. And he ends that chapter by saying that we are God's temple. And he speaks of precious materials used for the building of God's temple. Well, according to the human mind, you cannot grow from a plant into precious building materials. But God thinks differently, and his thoughts are higher than ours. And this is precisely how he views it. We need to experience Christ in order to grow. And as we grow, we are personally built up by having Christ constituted into us. And this qualifies us to be built up corporately to be the expression of the processed triune God. I just add quickly, the same thought is in Ephesians chapter 2. The entire building is growing There's a holy temple that is growing, and we also are being built up. So God, in this age, the age of grace, the age of the church, the age of mystery, is growing in us, and in this sense, the building is growing until, at the end of the coming age, there has been the full, complete, perfect growth of God and his chosen and redeemed people, and that will be the consummation of God's building, and therefore there will be for eternity in the new heaven and the new earth, the new Jerusalem, the ultimate and consummate building of God, and the eternal issue of the growth of God in the believers. It is with this in view that we are burdened to point out not only the revelation in the word, but to point to the way for us to experience Christ by exercising our spirit to live in the reality of the rooting so that we may have the practicality of the growing for the building. Mm. Ron, at the outset today, I, uh, when we presented this matter of God having a history, and that would be our topic, I said that our intent was not that we would study it as one would study all the history of the American Revolution, but to look at it in the way that it applies to us directly, even subjectively, 
And I think we uh, were able to touch that at this final portion. I appreciate a lot your help and your fellowship today. Well, we thank the Lord as always for his grace, his blessing, and his flowing forth. Amen. God has a history, and that history includes and incorporates our experience of him each day. We have the printed messages to offer you, and we invite you to contact us. We'll tell you how you can get those messages. Uh, We'd love to get your comments as well. Our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or you can send email to us, radio at lsm.org. For Ron Kangas today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.